Father, we come and we come thankful, thankful for a new year, thankful for life. Thank you for many mercies and graces that every day we take part in. We thank you, Lord, over all of creation, over all things, that you are our comfort, you are our rest, that we recognize, God, you are sovereign over all things. And what a great comfort that is. You're comforted to know that you're in control. We aren't merely going about life and things are just kind of going about by fortune and chance and luck. But you are God. And you reign. You reign when we feel like, when we don't feel like you or even feel like or think that you are reigning. And you reign when we directly see it and glory in it. So at all days and all times, whether we feel like it or not, you reign and we glory in you, God, the great and the living God. And so give us grace. Give us grace to walk humbly and to be humbled before you, Lord. Give us grace in the midst of the many, many weaknesses that we have and to recognize that we are not to be those who walk as though we are self-sufficient, but walk as those who see that it is by your grace that we are sufficient. And so we look to you in all things. May you lead us. May you lead us to be obedient to your word. Lead us to be obedient to the great commission, this great mission that we're called to do. May you lead us, Lord, now as we turn to your word and lead us underneath your word. Help us to hear it. Help us, Father, to receive it. And help us to go and live it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John this morning. And we will be in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. So we're going to continue on here in the Gospel of John. One thing about life, and regardless, you know, of your age or your life experiences, it is certainly full of unexpected twists and turns. I mean, we could even just look back on 2020 and just say that right there was a total unexpected twist an unexpected turn on so many levels that we did not think that right now all of us would be sitting even as we are here or watching online or wearing masks and doing all these things, carrying hand sanitizer with us. You know, we didn't expect all of that. We didn't expect that twist and that turn to 2020. And so... How often that is that we encounter these kind of twists and turns in our lives. Just when we think we might know what lies ahead for us, you know. 
something happens that just really blows us out of the water and catches us just totally off guard. You know, we weren't, we weren't expecting that, that turn. We were expecting perhaps, you know, more good to come, more blessing to come, more good things. You know, perhaps, you know, you live in that house or have that job and then it just kind of all goes away. Another twist and turn. You know, when Megan and I were first married in 2008 and we were settling into you know, our two-bedroom, 700-square-foot apartment. You know, we love that apartment. And even to this day, we talk about how special that time was in that small little, you know, apartment we had. Um, but when we, we lived there in Louisville, Kentucky, you know, we had no idea where the Lord was going to take us in the years to come. But we didn't know we were willing to follow Him wherever that may be. Lord, wherever you want us to go, whatever you want us to do, just, just lead us there. We'll, we'll do it. We'll say yes right now. Just lead us. And so the years that followed were filled with, of course, many twists and turns, many great, incredible blessings, but then, oh my, some very great and deep challenges as well. And so we went from Oklahoma to Kentucky, and now here we are in Alabama as well, and how the Lord has led us along these ways. And many of you, I'm sure, have similar stories. You could, you could say the same thing, how many twists and turns there have been in your own life. I know I've talked to some of you and how you lived in St. Louis, and I bet when you were living there, you weren't thinking, I'm going to live here, you know? Or some of you from West Virginia or Alaska or California, and now you are here. Twists and turns. Well, as we come to this next chapter in John, we come to the well known story of Lazarus. Where here also we see some twists and turns as well. But even then, like even now, we don't see chaos, even though it feels like that, and it can feel like that in the midst of it. But what we see here is purpose. We see purpose. As we see God's plans unfolding towards his sovereign ends in unexpected ways. So let's read here then, beginning in verse 1 of John chapter 11. So may God bless the reading of his inerrant word. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And so the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And then after this, he said to the disciples, 
let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And so Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So with this chapter, in chapter 11, in the Gospel of John, we have here a transition. Believe it or not, we have now been many months in this Gospel, and we're now halfway through the Gospel of John. And here with chapter 11 and chapter 12, we are given this transition then that leads us right into the final chapters of this Gospel. We're not there yet. We still have a lot of chapters to go. But this is a transition that will lead Jesus all the way to the cross. And so when Thomas, he said at the end of our passage This morning, let us also go that we may die with him. He is saying more than he knows. Because he will go. And these things will set into motion events. Of course, we look at those events as under God's sovereign hand, but they will set into motion events that will lead him directly to the cross. So even as we have a number of of chapters left before the end of this gospel. You can see that too. You just simply look over uh, the headings of each one of the various chapters to come and you see very clearly that the cross, it is drawing nearer and nearer. And so this chapter then it introduces for us the final sign of the gospel of John. Now, if you've been following along with the Gospel of John, you know what these signs were doing. And this is not talking about like a literal sign, like a stop sign. You know, oh, here's a final sign, like a stop sign right here. No, this is not, it's not what it's referencing here. These are talking about signs that are intended to direct your eyes and my eyes towards who? Towards Jesus. Again and again, the miracles the wondrous and glorious things that he does, continually pointing you and all of us here to look and to fix our eyes on the one who has come to save us from our sins. And so we have seen these again and again, step by step as we've walked through these pages. And here, in chapter 11, we have really the greatest sign of them all, of the signs. 
So here in verses 1 through 16, we have the beginning then of this story, the story of Lazarus. Now, let me just clear this up. As you get and look at this, this isn't talking about the same Lazarus that we read of in Luke chapter 16, you know, where Jesus, he tells kind of this story or parable of the rich man and poor Lazarus. He's not, it's not the same guy. This, this Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha, and he's from Bethany, a village near the Mount of Olives. So this is right there near Jerusalem. So you see where Jesus is going here. And so it was two miles east of Jerusalem, not far. And so he lived there along with his sisters, Mary and Martha, the same Mary who would anoint Jesus by wiping his feet with her hair, which, interesting enough, we learn of in the next chapter, chapter 12. And as we see, Lazarus is not doing well, is he? He is, he is sick, and he's not just sick, he's in bad shape. He's, he's not going to make it kind of, you know, sickness. However, even here, though, we see that God, he has a greater purpose for Lazarus's illness. And so we see then here our first point this morning, and we see this point, God's greater purpose. God's greater purpose. And so Jesus, he, he receives a message from Lazarus' sisters that read this. It's very simple. Lord, he whom you love is ill. So a twist, a turn, and certainly a twist and a turn for Lazarus, you know, and a twist for his sisters. I mean, that was not on the radar. Their brother getting so sick that he may not even make it. They're, they're, they're bringing this to Jesus, you know, and Lord, you know, help us, you know, kind of thing. And so we see they are certainly encountering a twist and a turn here. And even as we see God's greater purposes here, even as we will, we must admit the immense difficulty of our many ailments as well. So we don't know much about Lazarus and kind of what his illness was, but we do know it's not good. He has taken a turn for the worse. So right here, we are meant to hear the words of his sisters. So Jesus, he loved Lazarus. He loved Lazarus. And that's, that's not just kind of a sentimental statement. You know, oh, we just feel warm and cozy. He really did. He loves Lazarus. And we aren't... We aren't told, but Jesus, he knew Lazarus, and like how he knew Lazarus, but we, we, are, we see that he cared for Lazarus deeply. And as did his sisters, cared for Lazarus deeply. And as do you for that family member, for that brother, for that sister, for that child, for that dad, for that mother, for that uncle, for that aunt, for that grandfather, for that grandmother. You love them in the midst of all variety of ailments, of heartaches, and of pains that we encounter in this 
life. So you, you can perhaps feel something of the way of what the sisters are going through here as well, and even what Jesus is experiencing, because he, he loves Lazarus also, even as we will see even more in our passage next week. And so we see that, and then we say also, but the Lord directs our steps. Proverbs 16.9, it says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. In Proverbs 20.24, A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? So God, he is indeed over our steps, and he is in control, and he is directing our steps. Yet, we admit... This sin-cursed world is hard. This sin-cursed body can be pain-filled. It can have its heart broken. It can have its world shaken. As you and I go about our days, we see in all that that we are living in a sin-cursed world with sin-cursed bodies. But it is in the midst of that, in the midst of our sin-cursed world and sin-cursed bodies, that Jesus came. In the midst of all this brokenness we're seeing right here, the reality of it, the reality of the emotions they're experiencing, Jesus is right there and He came for us and for them. God, he lifted high his love for us and he will lift it high in the gospel of John plainly for all the world to see. I love you and I came for you and I died for you. That you would know me. I love you that much. And to tell you that he knows. Oh, he knows. He knows of the heartache. He knows of the pain. He knows of the struggle. He knows of the sin, the shame, the guilt, the separation between you and God. He knows and he did something about it. And as we see this, the great difficulty of our ailments, we see that our love for others you know, it's, it's surely a blessing. I mean, I, I love my family. I love those around me. And we are surely to love and love others well. But our love for others can make things harder. Especially when those twists and turns of life come. Now, when that, that happens, someone in your life gets sick, you know, or... You lose that family member, your husband, your wife. But that doesn't mean we throw off love, does it? But it does mean that we we can honestly admit that there is a deep difficulty here to all of this. The Puritan Matthew Henry, he wrote, The multiplying of our comforts, including loving others, the joy of children, the joy of marriage, the joy of all these various things, the joy of the body of Christ, the joy of the brother and sister that has come alongside you again and again. 
So the multiplying of our comforts is but the multiplying of our cares and crosses. So loving others well will mean pain at seeing them go through difficulty, hurt, or seeing them pass on. But it doesn't mean we throw off love. Megan and I, we love our now five children so much. But that, that love, you know, it doesn't make us hurt less when they encounter difficulty. It makes us hurt more. I mean, we're not trying to keep them away from hard things, but we also, when we see it happen, we're like, oh my, you know, this, this is a greater hurt in me because I love them so much. Yet at the same time, I would not give up that love because of the hurt. And so we admit the reality that this is hard because we love people so much and we love others so much. So we see the difficulty and we see here then as well the rightness of bringing all that to Jesus as well. That is the rightness of bringing our hearts, bringing our woes, bringing our ailments, bringing all these difficulties to the Lord. And this is what Mary and Martha did. And they were right in doing it. They brought this news to the right person. And there is part of our answer. As we face this waves that can come at us so greatly of pain, of heartache, and struggle. Well, here we have part of the answer that we are to come and bring all these things to Christ. He is the right person we are to go to for all of these things, and He is the first person we are to go to with all of these things. And so that is part of our answer. It's casting these things at His feet. You are to bring all your troubles to God. And right now, there may be much that you personally need to bring before Him. I just want to encourage you right now, if that is you, He's calling you right now, even right now, to bring those troubles to Christ, to bring those troubles before God. He can handle them. And He will give you grace through them. So we are to do that. And we also should ponder as well God's purpose. Bring them to Christ and do ponder God's purpose. So Jesus, he points to this. He lifts higher here God's greater purpose in the midst of these things. So verse 4, Jesus says, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So Jesus, he is not saying here that Lazarus won't die. He's saying that this illness that he has right now won't ultimately be the death of him. And more than that, Jesus wants you and I to see God's greater purpose in all things, the greater sign then for us here and now. 
The Son glorified. The Son revealed. God glorified. And the Son believed in, seen, and worshipped. And this is the thrust behind the words there that Jesus says, and so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And so Jesus would be exalted. He would be lifted high and seen for who He is. And what lies ahead for Lazarus then has this purpose. His illness is for the glory of God. And how easy it is to lose sight of God's purpose in the midst of the grittiness of life. In the midst of that, those waves of difficulty, of ailments and struggles and everything else. In the midst of those things. But ponder the truth that God does have indeed a purpose behind them. And we may not know it. Indeed, we may never know it in this life. Or even in the life to come. He has not promised He's going to give us all the answers in the life to come. But we are to come. We're to ponder and trust Him with all of who we are. I have a million questions, but I will ponder the truth that you are in control and you are sovereign God. And I trust you, clinging to Him even without the answers. You know, I remember when the song, you may, this may date me, but you may remember it too, when the song I Still Believe came out. It was in 2003 by Jeremy Camp, and that song was released. And, you know, the song was good. I remember hearing it on the radio and just thinking, yeah, that's great, you know. But once I found out the story behind the song, man. I was blown away. So after being married for only four months, Jeremy Camp's wife, she tragically died of ovarian cancer at the age of 21 while he was 23. So in the midst of this wave, as they were hoping for healing, longing for God to answer, and after she Died, he wrote these words in that song I still believe in your faithfulness. I still believe in your truth. I still believe in your holy word. Even when I don't see, I still believe. And that is what we are to do as well. The waves come ponder and trust and even ask this question how will you glorify God in this how will you glorify God in this that was her her hope Jeremy Camp's wife Melissa her hope she was she was saying I just desire and long that someone would come to faith through this story that God would be glorified 
in hearing about this? How will you glorify God in this? How will you point people to Christ? How will you direct them to Christ even in the midst of that hardship, that trial, that loss, that difficulty? And you may be fine right now. You're like, I'm coasting good. You know, I don't know what he's talking about. Friend, I'm sorry to say this. There's a day coming that you're going to come and encounter a weight of things that is too much for you. And it will not be easy. The things that seem easy or hearing this, you're thinking, that, that I can do that. They won't be so easy then. So hear these things now, prior to the storm. If you're not on the side of struggle now, praise God for that. And seek to learn now how to walk through it. How will you glorify God in this? And so we, so we need to see then that God indeed, indeed does have a greater purpose. You may not know it. may never know it, but He does. And especially for His children. And so we need to trust Him. Trust our good God. Now along with this, we see also in our second point here, Jesus' greater priority. Jesus' greater priority. So verses 5 through 16. Now surprisingly here, as we read these verses, you know, Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't go to Lazarus, does he? I mean, that, that's, that's kind of surprising, right? I mean, you, we would have expected, you know, verse 6 to say, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he immediately arose and he went to Bethany. I mean, that's, that's probably, if we were, you know, reading this and not have been exposed to the story again and again, we would have been like, oh yeah, that's kind of what I would have expected, you know, Jesus to do, especially with everything else that we've seen of Jesus as well. But he didn't do that. We see, again, that Jesus is living according to a different timetable. He has some greater purposes in mind. And yet, as we see this, we also are to see here that God's love and God's glory, that they are not at odds with one another. We are told the purpose of this illness, it is what? You already know it? It's God's glory, yeah. Yeah. And we're also told something else. We're told how much Jesus loves them. So we saw that in verse 3 of Lazarus. But just to make sure that we don't miss it, they say it again then in verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So as you're, you're hearing all this, you hear that he, he stays two more days, you're not to confuse it and think, well, wait a minute, you know, Jesus doesn't care about these guys. Making it abundantly clear, John is trying to make sure you know, no, 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 he loves them very deeply and greatly, and he is seeking to glorify God. 
in all these things. So no conflict. So we aren't to see this and think that Jesus is simply putting up his hands and saying, Lazarus is sick. Meh. You know, oh well. It'll be fine. I know what's coming. That's not what Jesus is doing. That's not what he does. God's love and God's glory motivated him in his actions. And these two things aren't at odds. And there are times we may be going through difficulties, yet we aren't to think that God's love and God's glory are in combat with one another. He's just seeking his glory. He's not thinking about me. He's seeking his glory and he is thinking about you. He loves you deeply. So both are playing here without contradiction. God's sovereign purposes are being worked out in our lives even in the midst of those twists, the turns, the trials, and the ailments. Now over the years, I'm sure you've heard this phrase as well, but I've heard people say things, you know, like, God works in mysterious ways. You heard that before? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, so have I. Well, that phrase, if you're wondering where it comes from, it comes from a hymn. We may have sang it here, I don't know, but it's from the hymn by William Cooper. God moves in a mysterious ways. So let me just share some of the words from that hymn with you and how instructive they are for us. It says, Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. And that's, that's exactly how it is. That wave comes and it's a frown, but behind it is God's smile. It's bitter, but it will be a flower in the end. He will be glorified and you will glorify him for all he has done. So we are to learn then to trust in God's greater purposes. Trust in God's greater purposes even when we can't see them. And you may not see them, but now you know that he surely has them, those greater purposes. You know that he has a greater purpose there and then in the midst of whatever comes. And so it is that Jesus then, he comes and we see here that he stays two more days. He knew God's greater purpose and he was after the greater priority. And so as he tells then his disciples, you know, it's time to go back to Judea. You know, they're, they're hearing him say that and they remember what happened not so long ago and how the Jews just really a moment ago, they were picking up stones and they were getting ready to kill you, Jesus. And now you're saying you want to go back there? 
And so they're hearing all that. And so in verses 9 through 10, Jesus answers their kind of response, like, what do you mean? Don't you remember all that? He answers them by pointing to the clock. There's 12 hours in the day. So during the day, a person doesn't stumble, but at night they do. So what in the world is he talking about there? What is he saying? He's saying while he, the light of the world, is still in the world, he still has work to be done. John 9, 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Hence, he says uh, these words, you know, if anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. Who's the light of this world? And then he stumbles because the light is not what? In him. And so Jesus is saying, I still have work to be done. And so he tells them plainly, he goes to wake up or bring the now dead Lazarus back to life. Verse 11. And so he still has work that he is going to do. And whether it means uh, that they have this intent to kill him or not, he is going to complete his mission and his calling that God has given to him. So stones are not... He has a mission and he's pressing on in it. And so for us, who though we aren't the God-man, we have God's Word and we have God's Spirit in us and we also are to press on. Sometimes, trusting God, it means pressing on. It means keeping along the path of obedience, pressing on in the race in the midst of all of that hard stuff. All of the hard things. So Elizabeth Elliot, amazing woman. She's went on to be with the Lord now, but you likely know her. She's the wife of the well-known martyr, Jim Elliot. Went to Ecuador for the sake of the gospel and died for the sake of the gospel. Where did she find great solace? Well, she found great solace in a poem with the simple exhortation as this, do the next thing, do the next thing. And so the poem, it reads this, many a questioning, many a fear, many a doubt hath its quieting here. Moment by moment, let down from heaven, time, opportunity, and guidance are given Fear not tomorrow, tomorrow's child of the king. Trust them with Jesus. Do the next thing. Do it immediately. Do it with prayer. Do it reliantly, casting all care. Do it with reverence, tracing his hand who placed it before thee with earnest command. Stayed on, 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 on omnipotence, safe beneath his wings. Leave all results. Do the next Thing, looking for Jesus, ever serener, working or suffering, be thy demeanor. In his dear presence, the rest of his calm, the light of his countenance, be thy psalm. Strong in his faithfulness, praise and sing. Then as he beckons thee, do the next thing. And as we... Walk through this life 
COVID, pandemic, whatever. That is exactly then what we need to do. Keep at the work. Keep at the mission. Keep at the Great Commission. Keep trusting the Lord. You don't know, but you do know Him. You do know what He's like. You know who He is. Do the next thing. And so we also see then that as we consider the weight of all these things, though death is a curse, we are to put it in its proper place. We are to put it in its proper place. So Jesus, he, he says that uh, here that Lazarus was, was what? Merely asleep. He was asleep. And, and this doesn't mean, as some kind of say that it means, that, that Lazarus entered into some kind of you know, soul sleep. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but some people believe that like you're, you, when you die, your body sleeps and your soul sleeps. You're unconscious until Christ returns because of passages like this. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. It just simply means, even as Jesus says, he died, verse 14. Lazarus has died, so he's made it all clear for you. He's dead. His body is dead. So it means that he's dead. And so at death, the soul of a believer, it goes immediately to be with God. And so Paul, he says in Philippians 1, 20, 23, I am hard-pressed between the two, life or death. My desire is to part and to be with Christ, for that is far better, because he knows when he dies, he'll go and be with Christ immediately. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Yes, we are of good courage, and we'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord, because when you're away from this body, your soul goes to be with the Lord. No, no such thing as soul sleep. So you aren't just going to be unconscious in the grave until Christ returns. And so we say that and we see and say also that, yes, we know that when we die, we'll be with Christ forever. And what a joy that will be. But let me also say that death is no friend. It is a curse. Whether you're a believer or you're not a believer. Throughout Scripture, that is what death has looked like. It has looked like as a curse. It is an enemy. But even so, does death have the final word? Oh my, no. Jesus is going to show who indeed does have the final word over death. And not only in the rest of this chapter and in the verses to come, but forever as he dies on the cross and he rises from the grave to say, I have defeated death. You see that sting? It is not going to have the victory. I have overcome it. And if you are mine, you are mine forever. And so we may trust Jesus then and courageously follow him. So Jesus, he says, he was glad that Lazarus died in the sense that, and and so that you may hear the greater message and see that you have a greater need. He desires that you may see that death is not the worst thing. 
Dying apart from Christ is the worst thing. Dying still separated from God because of your sin is the worst thing. And so hear the call of Christ this morning. You may be here and you don't know the Lord. Well, He's calling you to see your deep, deep need for Him. That He came for you. He came to save sinners like you and me and any who would come to Him. That all that dad and sin and shame and that separation between you and God would be gulfed through Christ and faith in Christ, giving Him yourself, your life, your all, and taking Him as your life, your portion and treasure into all eternity. So trust Him. And for all of us, courageously follow Him. Here, so you know Thomas and you often hear of him as the doubting Thomas, but here the doubting Thomas has it right. We likewise are to be ready to get up and follow Christ even unto death. And that is to be your commitment to Christ. That wherever he leads, I'll go, as the hymn says. So let me end then with this exhortation. Amidst the surprises, amidst the twists and the turns of this life, see that all that is part of God's plan. And see God's being glorified in our lives. It might be different than what we imagined. But learn to trust Him even then. Learn to trust Him even then. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning. We thank you for the good news. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are sovereign in your control. We pray as I know that we're really just taking on the sense of this passage here. But we see the difficulty of the curse, the reality of the heartache, but yet still the glory. We see, we see your purposes. We see your hand. We see your your purpose to glorify your name and glorify your son. And we see that your love and your glory are not at odds. And so help us, Father. Help us as we've walked through a difficult year that we would take all these things to heart, to ponder these things, to ask how we would glorify you in this. When those twists and turns come, perhaps we're right in the midst of them. Pray that we would see and, and learn to trust you even then. Even in the midst of the fury of emotions and questions and everything else, so we ask for your hand. And pray for anyone here who doesn't know you, that you would even now help them to see their need for you. We ask that, Lord, you would help us to respond to your word to, this morning in giving us grace. 
Help us humble ourselves under your word. Help us look to you in the midst of life, its blessings and challenges and all. We thank you for your word. and We trust you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.